Audacious Compassion, Episode 11, Compassion for the Pooches. Welcome to Audacious Compassion, a podcast where we explore how to find compassion in the most difficult places in daily life. I'm Gregory Avery Weir. And I'm Melissa Avery Weir. And today we'll be talking about communicating in a group of friends with conventions that grate on your nerves, things they do that that get to you. Um, We're also kind of dealing with a neighborly dog situation. Sounds like a whole Alaskan husky team of dogs. So we'll be trying to be compassionate towards the pooches today. Yes. Trying. Hopefully we'll succeed. Yes. So you may hear some dogs barking in the background. There they are, on cue. Uh, (laughs) We appreciate your patience. So, how are you doing today, Melissa? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, Pretty much recovered from my surgery last month. My nose is still a little tender. Excellent. You're sleeping? I am sleeping. Oh, I'm sleeping. It is blissful. Um, but relevant to our theme, I suppose, I uh, have this friend who I love dearly. Um, it's a single friend, not a group of friends. But they ask for opinions and don't really seem interested in hearing them. So they'll, they'll say something like, all right, discussion time. And this is usually in text form. Discussion time. What do you think about blank? And then kind of go off into their own diatribe. Hmm. Uh, do you... <laughs> look, this is like current event stuff? Current event stuff, yes. Often news. Uh, we're very political in our circle. Um, and so once you start expressing an opinion, even if it doesn't differ much at all, <laughs> they kind of they kind of come back and argue and... It's kind of like, what were you asking for? <laughs> Do you think they're used to, like, having folks bounce back at them the same sort of energy that they're putting out in that sense? Like, are they expecting you to rant just like they are? I think so. I think they are expecting a, a match of passion and a similar strength of opinion, um, which I don't always have. Like, even though I, you know, I hear about tragic things on the news or... Um, you know, there's all sorts of stuff going on politically and otherwise. Um, and I'm interested in them and I'm interested in thinking about them, but I'm not interested in ranting about them. Yeah. And your opinions aren't always controversial. Right. Like, I mean, you certainly have some avant-garde ways of thinking compared to the mainstream society, but not about like every single news story. Right. Yeah. Sometimes my answer is I feel empathy for everybody involved in that situation right like i don't have to like not everything is a soapbox issue or they know my opinion on our justice system in america yeah like there's only so many times you can say i'm not sure folks should go to jail at all right but since that's how we deal with criminals well i can talk within this framework but right so it's and it's wordy and that's not what they're interested in hearing they're interested in hearing something stronger and, and more argumentative yeah. Um, so that can be, that can be frustrating for me because I'm like, why are why why are we having this fired up discussion that I'm mm-hmm. not fired up about? Um, so I kind of just sometimes <laughs> sometimes I just kind of let them talk themselves out, and then go, yeah, 
that I I hear you. Um, that sounds I, like that works for both of you. Like that they're they still talk to you and you still talk to them and still enjoy other interactions that aren't aren't that sort of this thing. This is yes, this is true. They don't seem annoyed uh, at the situation. So maybe they're sitting going, "Why won't they ever yell at me about this thing?" <laughs> They do sometimes uh, openly question if I care about something. Um, yeah, and but, that's that can be tricky. Like, yes, I care, but I don't have anything to contribute. Right. Like, that's rough. Right. Um, but other than that, I'm doing all right. How are you doing? Well, speaking of current events, I've been thinking a little lately about um, kind of social media and the the community of, of folks that, that I interact with there. And in my case, I guess most of my participation is, is in Twitter. So I've got a lot of, of social justice people that I follow, either people that focus on social justice or just kind of are generally aware and, and care about that sort of thing Woke. and want to talk about it. Sure. Um, <laughs> but there's a pattern of behavior that a lot of people have on Twitter or Tumblr. This, this shows up to mm-hmm. where it's look at this awful thing. This person did boy, aren't they misguided? Mm-hmm. And often it's just like rando Twitter person. Like, oh. you know, I posted this article and here's the reply I got. And boy, isn't that a bad reply? Yeah. And like, I recognize the, the, like the cathartic value of being like, hey, everyone, back me up here. This is rough, isn't it? Like, that's a good way to deal with haters. Right. Um, and if, if by backup you mean emotional support, not mob rule. Right, exactly. <laughs> not like, not like, let's mob on and bully this person, but just like, like this tweet, go, oh boy, that, that, sh- that really is rough. Here's an animated GIF. <laughs> um, you know, someone sipping tea. Right. Um, but, Kermit, Kermit in particular. I don't know if you're fully yeah, aware oft, of that. Often Kermit, yes. Okay, just checking. Um, but but I think that phenomenon has evolved into general tea-related gifs. <laughs> or gifs. I could curate a very full Twitter timeline just full of, like, all these awful things that people have said. All these call-out posts, mm-hmm. right? Of, of just folks going, hey, look at this awful thing. And there's a certain amount of value in recognizing that problems exist. Right. But I'm not particularly inclined to amplify that sort of speech. Right, yeah. Like, yeah. by saying, by by retweeting something that is a screenshot of, a, of bad speech, I'm kind of amplifying that bad speech and adding to this sort of cloud of negative feelings yep. around folks you're you're sort of helping fill up people's timelines with outrage i don't like the word outrage anymore right that, yeah because outrage is often a term that people use to, to minimize, minimize yeah. genuine i mean all feelings are genuine but minimize like important feelings right that about important things this might be the kind of outrage that people mock yeah, I mean, maybe. I don't, I'm trying not to mock mm. much in my life, right? But I don't think it's framed in a way that is actually all that hyperbolic. Okay. It's just like, hey, look at this thing. Boy, isn't this guy a jerk? Yeah. Here's, like, yes. Here's another dude in tech saying a thing. Yeah, right? and yes, but like, <laughs> I don't, I don't feel the need to 
highlight each individual guy being a jerk. Right. Like, yes, if there's something where I can do something about it. Right. Or, or where it influences my <clears throat> the way I interact with capitalism or if it means that there's a new issue that I should be aware of, exactly. sure. Yep. But if it's just another person complaining about Wonder Woman, I don't I I I, I am aware of that template. Right. I am not in a bubble. Right. I know of of the fact that there are people who have different views than me. I don't need to have them repeated repeatedly. Yeah. And so I still totally enjoy like reading folks' timelines that still share that sort of thing yes it's just like i often find myself going haha that's that's a funny framing or that's a funny response to that bad bad take and like half reaching towards the retweet button and going like nope you know what i don't want to communicate in the in this way i don't want to keep spreading this like bad diet of 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 uh rhetorical junk food yeah now, I have seen some long form Tumblr. Like I, I'm not the the most Tumblry Tumblr mm-hmm. person, but when I see someone get dragged on Tumblr, it is still funny to me. That's awful. Yeah, it, yeah, and I can often enjoy consuming it. Yes, but, but I I'm don't not want to sure. Spread it. I want to. Yeah, I don't know that I want to either create that myself or or spread that. Other like I'll maybe send it to someone I think will appreciate <laughs> it, but I'm not gonna like broadcast it to right. to everyone who follows me. I think that's very fair. See, that's something I've been thinking about lately. Um, but we've we've gotten a, a prompt um, from our friend Zoe, who's Feetbird on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it goes, how do I deal with a group of friends who engages in a behavior that I find frustrating? Like constantly interrupting or talking over each other, but no one doing it minds. I've asked them privately how they feel about it to make sure. Uh, I know that other folks might not share my values, but I feel like I have to interrupt to get a word in when that's not lo- how I like to communicate. So that's a doozy. Yeah. Obviously, so we relate. <laughs> yeah. So you've got friends who talk over each other or interrupt or can't, you know, don't manage to get a, a thought finished before someone else comes in and, and speaks. And they seem to be fine with that. Right. But if you're a person that's not like that, that can... I imagine it feels hard to participate in that discourse. Yeah. So where's the lack of compassion here? Like, Zoe Zoe isn't lighting him on fire, you know? Yeah, but I mean, Zoe kind of doesn't seem to understand how this is okay, right? It's like, how are y'all fine with interrupting each other all the time? That's Mm -hmm. a... That's not an obvious answer. Like, that is a thing that we, that society generally tells us is rude. Right. Like, there's, there's, there's certain regional differences in the level of interruption that's allowed. But generally, interrupting someone is, is considered something you're not supposed to do. Right. And there are power dynamics there as well. Yeah. Um, where. Dudes um, tend to interrupt femme folks and right. so on. Yep. Um, and. Them folks are often taught are taught more rigorously to be polite, um, mm-hmm. whereas more masculine folks are taught to be assertive, and, right? Rough and tumble and all that sort of garbage. So, yeah, this is tough, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I might like if she hadn't said that they were friends. 
I might have been like, put a foot out the door and hang out less. Yeah, so like, there's, it's one thing if it's like, there are these folks like at work or whatever right. that always do this and I don't like being around them. But clearly, you know, clearly she likes these people right. and wants wants to communicate with them, wants to, to, to be able to contribute to conversations, right. but doesn't want to jump in and step all over their words. Mm-hmm. So something that I think about is is regional differences. Like there's this thing that I've heard where like folks from New York or from the Northeast mm-hmm. tend to interrupt each other more, tend to jump in more. I wonder if that's actually true. I don't know. It I mean, I've got a limited sample set, but in I've I have known several people from that area that do that. Yeah. Or expect you to do that. Yes. Um, yes. And so that's and that's the thing is that Inter, I think one thing to recognize is that interrupting means something different for different people. Right. Like it could be that those people, you're that 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 there's a group of people that seem to be interrupting folks to say southern sensibilities, mm-hmm. but they might not even think they're interrupting each other. Right. They might think that just starting to talk is the appropriate way to put your foot in the door of a conversation. Right. And. I've known people who think that if you are sitting and listening, even by what I would consider active listening, that you are not interested in the conversation. That enthusiasm means. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry, was that was that too disturbing? <laughs> that enthusiasm means diving in and say it. Waiting on people to barely finish their thoughts. <laughs> I'm now afraid of. <laughs> Of how the rest of this podcast is going to go. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, like that, that some people expect you to constantly be going, mm-hmm, yeah, oh yeah, 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 I get what you, yeah, mm-hmm, yeah, yeah. And immediately hooking on to that idea to say something else, right? And, yeah. and one, one sort of interrupting that I think most folks understand as polite is finishing each other's sentences. Yes. So if you've got two people who kind of have, have a sort of kismet or rapport where someone has a, has a sort of sentence that's sort of half finished. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> that that people who are close are able to complete each other's thoughts or anticipate or have an an accumulative conversation. I'm not going to finish your sentences for you. <laughs> no, but like where it's not just each conversation is a collaborative experience, but each sentence can be a collaborative experience. Yeah, yeah. That's difficult. It's like double dutch the conversation. Yeah, I mean, it's tricky. But it yeah. might be that if if Zoe wants to be polite and contribute to a conversation and not seem like they're interrupting, that might mean something different for her friends than it does for another group of people she knows. Right. So how does she do it? How does she sit at dinner or whatever and... Hmm, I don't know. So, I mean, part of it is sort of play play the anthropologist, you know, Jane Goodall it, like, watch these people interact. Wasn't Jane Goodall? She studied gorillas, chimpanzees. Okay. But, you know, the, be the behaviorist. Yes. Like, like, look at people and look at what the acceptable ways to interrupt are. Yeah. Because any group is going to have different things. Like, some some groups, people, like, raise their hands or, like, raise a finger. Mm-hmm. 
other groups that would be weird and rude like you'd be like what do you do are we're you not in school this, anymore yeah like yeah. are you trying to get the waiter's attention what's what's going on <laughs> the waiter is probably like are you trying to get my yeah. attention <laughs> i mean other groups it might just be like oh hey like mm-hmm. that's the way that you start and, and other groups you might stop look at each other someone kind of shifts their posture a little bit and everyone knows okay that's the next person to talk mm-hmm. and it might be the person who's used to kind of jumping in verbally would feel lost and and like someone's expecting something of them mm-hmm. if they were in that quieter mode of, of conversation. Right. I've also found that it's possible, um, and I've, I've worked with people like this, where people are really good at keeping track of the threads of a conversation. So if mm. you're part, let's say you've gotten through the intro of a story and someone goes, oh, hey, that reminds me. And they are really good at coming back after their story and being like, now you go ahead and finish. I'm like, wow. Yeah. In other groups, like if that happens, you're like, oh, well, we've lost. I'm not going to finish that story ever. And I I don't even remember the ending of that story. And I will often feel like clearly they didn't care. They didn't care for the rest of my story because they interrupted me and derailed. Yeah. And if you don't know what whether they're the kind Uh of person that will come back to your story... You can spend a good five minutes going, well, I have this story that I wanted to tell. Right. And... My story's better than their story. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm definitely someone who suffers from the, I will think of a thing that's a good contribution to this conversation mm-hmm. and like have the opening ready mm-hmm. and then like... I see it on your face often. <laughs> but it's like, this is really good, but I also need to remember to pay attention to what the other person is saying in the meantime. Yep. Like, I can I can bring this in, but it's also, like, the conversations aren't just me. Yeah. And that's yeah. something that doesn't come naturally to me. Like, that's something that I've had to learn and have to practice on an ongoing basis is, like, if I've got a thing I want to jump in with, I don't get to jump in right now. I think most people have to learn that. and I mean, some pick it up at a young age easily yeah but depending on the social groups you've been hanging around like plenty of us unlearn that behavior like i think i was quieter before i went to college hanging out with nerd geek engineers who interrupt each other all the time for four years yeah our college was kind of brash and it's a get in where you fit in inconsiderate very inconsiderate (laughs) Especially because you're, you know, of color and femme mm-hmm. and so on, like, folks would tend to assume you weren't going to contribute anything. Right. Or that it would be something uh, it, it, that would fit a stereotype if I did. Yeah. And and also that you wouldn't be able to contribute because the conversation was above you or something like that. Right. So that's so environment. That... Like, you unlearn and relearn all yeah. sorts of things. In and your case, you learn to interrupt more. Right. In my case, I think I learned to take a step back and let yeah. folks bloviate for a bit <laughs> and wait for the right moment. That's a good word. But I think one of the things still in my head is that I do consider one set of behaviors better than the other. I think it is better to listen and interrupt on a on an obvious cue than to interrupt seemingly willy-nilly which again acknowledging that there probably is some pattern yeah i mean i guess well let me let me try and reframe that Uh uh-huh you should match the way that you 
jump into a conversation to the group that you're in. I agree, but there is still part in my head that thinks that one is okay. better than the so, other. So yeah, you, this is this is think... a flaw in myself. Okay. I think that I think that, that is a judgment a value judgment on my part that is not correct or is born of some historical idea of what correct behavior is. Yeah. This might be tied to that cultural idea of objectivity or not letting emotion control discussion. Ooh, say more. So like I've got this thing where it's like, we're going to discuss this topic, and we're going to discuss it in a way that's mature, and so we're not going to get angry, and we're not going to get emotional, Mm -hmm. and that's a way of communication that serves the status quo. Right. Right? Because the person who's going to get angry is the person who's dissatisfied with the consensus idea. Mm Mm-hmm. And so that often can become a way of saying... You don't talk because every time you talk about the way we're oppressing you, you seem to get angry about being oppressed. Right. Whereas we, who aren't being oppressed, we get to to speak calmly and confidently about the fact that we're doing great. Right. And I see this a lot in places I work. Mm, yeah. I see this a lot in places I work. Where it's a lot easier to calmly say, well, that's just the way we do things here. Uh-huh. You're, we're going to have to learn to deal with it. Right. Instead of going, no, this isn't okay. This is really frustrating. Right. And I have a lot of trouble. For, I can see some valid... I, I understand their viewpoint. But I have trouble where people have difficulty determining when I am for really real making a complaint. And when I am, yeah. when I am providing them information about a broader situation. So, like, let's say there's a... There's a long-term problem with between me and a colleague or me and a team or whatever. I'm not going to sit on that forever, right? Like, I want mm-hmm. perhaps my boss to know so they don't get surprised by me getting real angry later, right? Yeah. And so... Be like, I heads of, up. Yes. A thing is going on. Right. This needs to get addressed. And sometimes, and this, this differs culturally, um, sometimes bosses have a hard time knowing if they should like is, raise is, is this a communicate to hr thing or right. just uh we'll talk about it next time we have a meeting thing? right and i can slice that so culturally like that is i i don't it seems very tied to race mm-hmm. whenever i have had a boss or management or colleague or whoever that is black we don't i don't have this problem at all but when it's when there's difference or difference in maybe a broader difference in age or something like that, it, it definitely, it comes up and I have to kind of go, no, no, it's not serious yet. This is just a data point. Like, mm-hmm. um, so whatever that cultural difference is, um, in, in discourse, I have a hard time matching standard issue, corporate, whatever. Yeah, and you're pretty good at mode switching. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, it might be that if you've got this group of friends who likes to interrupt each other, that it's that group is less susceptible to that sort of silencing, mm-hmm. right? Because it's okay for you to jump in in the middle of something and be like, hey, that's not cool. Or, hey, I've got this thing I'm really happy about. I want people to pay attention to. Exactly. And it's, it's almost, it could be a more tolerant environment. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I I don't want, I never want my response to be, I don't know, maybe try changing to adapt to the group. But think about how that way of communicating feels to the other people. Yeah. Like, if they they seem fine with it, it may be that to create the effect you want of not interrupting, mm-hmm. 
you need to do something that feels like interrupting. Yeah. Hmm. That's tough. That's really tough. Because if, let's say, you really truly believe that, like, this is a rude behavior, and it's annoying, and it's tiring, you're having to be more watchful than normal, then, like, I guess your intermediary step is doing the, like, gaping like a fish, I'm about to say something, Uh, will someone uh, notice? uh, Exactly. uh, 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 Maybe that, but that's, I don't know, you're still kind of contorting yourself, and still stepping towards acting in a way that is not in line with your own beliefs. And friends, groups of friends you can often have influence on. So it might be that, like, you don't want to jump in verbally, but you're okay, like, waving your hand, like, oh, hey, 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 I've got a thing, like, Mm non-verbally. And it might be that that will have a similar effect, but is something that you're more comfortable with. That's true. Yep. Yeah. Or it might just be like to the group at some point, you know, sometime when you're a beer or two in and there's a lull in the conversation, you can be like, so, hey, I've been having this, like, <laughs> hey, y'all, folks. y'all interrupt each other a lot. And how I don't want to do that. How should I mm-hmm. be able to contribute? And that's, I mean, that's not an easy thing to do. No. That's making yourself very, very vulnerable right. in this social situation. And sometimes the response is, just dive in. And you're like, well, the, you get to kind of drag that conversation yeah. out for a bit. And then you're, but worst case, you're not any worse off than you were before. This is true. Hopefully your friends aren't going to make fun of you forever for for making that request. In which case we go back to my original step one. Which, which is dump is, them keep, like they're hot. Well, let's just keep a foot out the door. Like, hang yeah, out less. Sure. You can have acquaintances downgrade them a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> So, sum up our advice. <laughs> Boy, uh, think about how they feel, how they feel about how they're communicating. So, it does does this feel like interrupting to them, or is this just a different way of getting each other's attention? Have a discussion with them yeah, about I mean, how you can... As always, meta-discussion. Oh, yes, of course. Um, and just be like, hey, I am finding it hard to interrupt. Any tips? Mm-hmm evaluate whether you are making a value judgment that you want to cling to yeah yeah there there might be a lot of baggage to unpack in that Mm -hmm. i'm still working on mine (laughs) yeah and then just like keep in mind how you want your social interaction to make them feel and figure out the best way for you to act to get that result right not in a weird, manipulated way, but like, a, I want them to value my speech and not feel like they have to drag me through the conversation. In order to do that, in this discourse community, I need to talk this way or this way or this way. Right. And I think the end cap on that is do what's nourishing for you. Yeah, if that, if that takes more energy than it's worth, find another way to interact with these folks. Yeah. Maybe one-on-one. Right. Maybe in a more structured environment. Mm-hmm. Or maybe you are just the quiet friend in this, in this group. Yeah, and, and if, they're, if they seem fine with you being quiet, then that might be okay. Yeah. If you're okay with that, too. Right. Yep. So, what have you been inspired by lately, Gregory? So, I've been reading a book series called Fallen Empire by Lindsay Broker. 
the the first book in the series is called Star Nomad. And this is it's pulp sci-fi series fiction. Like this is this is a Kindle ass Kindle book. Okay, self-published? Um I believe so. Okay. If not self-published, then at least like there's always an author's note at the end it's like Hey folks, thanks for uh, reading. The next book is available now and sign up to my mailing list and you can get this exclusive short story like it's I love it. It's very clearly in the pattern of I am writing a lot of books fast. Mm-hmm. Um the plot is often a bit meander. It's a series of events happening and they mm-hmm. tie together quite well, but it doesn't have the sense that it's crafted in the way that a lot of works that call themselves literature are where there are a lot of really consistent themes and stuff it's it's definitely an adventure yarn yeah and it's sort of like what if firefly happened after return of the jedi oh like (laughs) wow okay it's it's like there was an empire with an a space empire with an emperor it got destroyed, and this is a world with, like, there are weird psionic-powered people that can influence your mind and have magical staffs that they use to fight with. And there are cyborgs in in red armor that mm. scare everyone. Yeah. And at the same time, it's also the story of a freighter captain with a crew of ragtag folks, oh. and they keep chickens on the... <laughs> on the ship and one of them is a cook who likes to barbecue and one of them is an engineer who's really grumpy and so it's sort of it's sort of both that ragtag firefly feel and also that galactic intrigue yeah. and weird space fantasy of of star wars the inter- the thing the thing that is interesting about it in the context of this conversation is the way that people behave with each other is not a way that I would find acceptable ah. with people I interact with. Like, people are rude to each other. People are sassy. Um, books books are just, they just do this sometimes. You read the, mm-hmm. you read this dialogue and you're like, ah! Yeah, and, and I suspect that Baroker, oh, I know that Baroker does romance writing. Excellent. Um, and, <laughs> yeah, maybe under a pen name. Um, but it definitely has the feel of an urban fantasy writer or a, or a, a romance writer where people make witticisms towards each other and people are often described in the way that they appear and even the folks that are clearly not romance candidates are ogled by the Uh. by the the female main character um one of them is this is this character who who's a they're the jedi equivalent they're the the person with weird psionic abilities he has telepathy mm-hmm. and so he's constantly reading the main character's thoughts and replying to them telepathically yeah she's not okay with this she's yeah. like get out of my head like every single time he does it she's like get out of my head and it like when other people find out about it, they're like that's not cool he shouldn't do that <laughs> when other when other star seers is what the what the mm. jedis are called that's a good name. when other star seers hear about it they're like they're not supposed to do that. Like, that's against the rules. <laughs> so this person's just a jerk. But he keeps doing it. There are no consequences. Ah. Like, there's nothing. It's 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 just, like, this is apparently the way he acts. And it is it is one of those books where people have personality traits. Yes. Like, Micah is grumpy. The main character makes inappropriate comments. And people comment about her making inappropriate comments all the time. Yeah. And, you know, so, so-and-so is taciturn. 
but it's it's weird in the sense of like there is character development and relationship development but those character traits remain static sort of as as tags like Mm -hmm. like a like homer right homer has the these these hero characters who like have these epithets that are mm-hmm. attached to them that always stay the same. Like Achilles always behaves the same way. Even though Achilles has an arc, mm-hmm. there are certain character traits that are how you identify this character. Right. And so in that similar sort of sort of chiseled from stone character way, uh-huh. the characters in this series have those things and do things as like, that's not okay. Like <laughs> the third time someone read my thoughts without my permission, I would be like, get off my ship. Right. And I'd be like, where's my tinfoil? Right. right. Like, like, whatever device helps me block this thing. Yeah. Maybe a, you know, maybe a uh, mallet to the head. Like this is, this is, this is the sort of, sh- of book where people are okay with drugging other people against their oh, will geez. in order to get what they want. Like wow. not, not in a, not in a yeah. creepy, like sexual way, but in a like, well, we need to do well in this negotiation. Beck, oh. can you put something from from so and so in their tea? It it is it is a something that plays fast and loose with sort of social consent. Yes. Um, but I still wouldn't like do something about it. Right. I, I have trouble. I. It's it is not a book which asks me to suspend much disbelief. Mm-hmm. Like it's very clearly like let's have fun together. Right. Um, and that's good because if it were trying to be more serious, I don't know that I could deal with, with yeah. it'd be like, no, get, get that dude out of there. Don't let him, <laughs> don't let him read your thoughts. Right. So yeah, um, definitely, cer- certainly worth checking out. It's cheap. There are a lot of them. Um, they're fast, fun reads. Like 10 to 15? I believe the t- series is nine or 10 books. Okay. Um, it's one of those things where in the author's note of the first book, the author's like, I've got at least six books planned out. Like we'll your, see how this does. I like your author voice. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I somehow, despite reading relatively few of these kind of pulpy Kindle books or fanfic or whatever, I'm able to pull up a, a pretty good tone for, for that mm-hmm. author's note. Uh-huh. <laughs> so what have you been inspired by lately? <sighs> well, speaking of, so I read uh, quite a bit of fanfic. Uh, in a no couple, shade. No, just a little. No, no, you're right. No shade. But, it, I mean, it's not something I generally advertise, so... Sure. Folks folks judge. Yes. Hello, podcast. I have judged in the past and have you grown have, as a person. You have. <sighs> um, and so, anyway, I, I consume a fair amount. I'm pretty involved in in commenting and, and so on and trying to engage. Um, and I have uh, a friend that I also kind of read stories with. Um, and sometimes the writing isn't great, right? Like, just, like, these are amateur authors, unpaid, pouring their heart and soul, or having an interesting, like, they're just like, oh, here's an idea, right? Like, Uh it's Saturday night, I'm drunk, let me write a thing, that's fine. Um, But they're sharing this, right? They're really putting themselves out there. Um, And sometimes the writing's bad. That's Like, bad grammar and spelling or like bad plotting or uh the what what really gets me the thing that uh that makes me stop reading a book i can handle Mm -hmm. a pretty bad plot i can handle um i have 
very little trouble with sort of English as a second language type mm, errors. Yeah. I've been learning Russian, so when I think about all the typos I make and all the misspellings I make, and then I read these, and I'm like, oh yeah, I would totally leave the S off of that word. Because yeah. anyway, um, it's the all lowercase... Actually called lowercase abuse, by the way. Like that's a tag, that's a tag. that you'll see on Archive of Our Own? It's the I typed this on my phone, probably, or iPad. Something that doesn't autocorrect rigorously. Yeah, there's sort of a distinction there where... Punctuation is missing. If it seems to be laziness. <sighs> laziness is a value judgment. If it seems to be I did not want to put in enough effort right. to do this quote-unquote properly right and then that's that's bs right like this idea that english must be written a certain way or right must, yeah i mean it's yes. yeah but there are certain conventions that make things more readable capital right. letters capital make letters. a sentence more readable they provide so do periods yeah they, <laughs> they break up things they give places for your eyes to rest right. like you are more clear when you use these things than when you don't so there's something that happens uh, which I think anyone who has written long-form work has probably run into this in whatever setting, where you start real strong. You post a chapter one, and you're like, all right, I've got this AU, this alternate universe thing, some some mm-hmm. major twist on the original work. Um, we usually sit in a coffee shop, from my understanding. Yes, and there are bagels involved. Um, and you, it's a great chapter hits strong and maybe in the in the end notes you might ask a question like should this go this way or something else something Mm -hmm. that reveals that you have not planned your plot Uh... and then the second chapter might be a little shorter and have more grammatical mistakes oh no and then there's another question at the end of that that's like what do you guys think how about so it's one thing if you know what you're getting into right but the strong start i I just... To have something where you're like, I kind of want to see how this story goes. Right. And then have it start to hit your personal pet peeves right. or be le- just less readable. Right. And so all of that is fine. This is a completely, like, I step away. Like, I don't have to leave. A, I don't leave mean comments. Like, this is nothing yeah, to do like with you're me. getting it for free yes. from people who don't do this professionally, probably. Right. And I still appreciate what they're adding to the body of work, right? Yeah. Like, that concept was cool, right? And might get picked up by someone else and, who's going to capitalize their damn sentence. <laughs> and know their plot ahead of time. Um, but the kicker is when other people are like, why aren't you reading this excellent work? Mm. This work is just fine. What, you don't like a little bit of out-of-character behavior? You don't like... Jeez, right? And, and I'm just like, ah... like You don't like reading... <laughs> Burroughs level stream of consciousness without <laughs> punctuation, capitalization, or convention with regard to spelling. And again, not wanting to drag those authors, right? Like, do you? There, it is. It is not unlike reading Tumblr some days, right? Like, this, right. there's that's the overlap. Um, but it's that pressure upon me. It's the antagonizing, like, why aren't you reading this thing? Well, because I don't. That doesn't. That's not my cup of tea. Is this? aimed directly at you yes it, these okay. are yeah from people that i'm that i'm chatting with and so on um and so i have trouble like respecting the author's work and it, it's similar to to the opening situation where i'm like i don't have a strong opinion on this so don't argue with me yeah, i just like, I'm just not gonna i do haven't this read it i didn't want to read it because it's hard to read yeah 
Yeah. Um, so glad you like it. Right. Um, but being in this community and seeing, and again, since I'm learning rhetoric, I think I'm particularly inspired by the sort of English as a second language folks, the people who are just like, I'm just going to write a thing and post it. Yeah. And then put it out there. And I don't know, I, I find that inspiring. Yeah, even the if... difference between I'm going to do my best, even though I know my skills might not be up to it. And I'm not going to worry about how consumable this material is. Right. Yes. Um, so, yeah, it's it's and it's an awesome community and they're really supportive, right? Like the fact that these things are getting written and people don't feel, I assume there are lots of people who feel too shy to post, um, hmm. like me, but um, that there's there are people are still making space and showing all this enthusiasm even when surely I am not the only person who finds some of these hard right. to read. I, I can't be. Um, and we're all just quiet. Like, we don't need to chime in. So yeah. I, I like it. It's awesome. But, oof. <laughs> yeah. So we've been chatting about communicating in a group of friends with conventions that might grate on your nerves. Or as I like to say, work on my last nerve. Mm-hmm. That's something that comes up a surprising amount. Yeah. Everyone has, and it's not even anything as strong as a pet peeve necessarily. This isn't like flip the table over, right? right? It's just like minor eye twitch. Yeah, and if you're around it all day or for several mm-hmm. hours or every week or whatever the the frequency is, it can build up or it can feel hopeless or it can just stop feeling nourishing, whatever the interaction yeah. is. Especially when they're your friends. Like yes. there are things about these people that you want to spend time with mm-hmm. them about. Yep. But they're doing this thing that is getting to you. Right. Or makes you feel like you're not able to interact with them the way you want to. Mm -hmm. Like, that can feel stifling. Right. And I think if you can talk about these things and you think it will be useful, do it. Like, Yeah. I've occasionally had some productive discussions where even if we agreed that neither of us was going to change how we talked... To each other. Just being aware of that. Right. Is something where it's like, oh, the reason they're not talking is because they don't like to interrupt. Exactly. Okay. Check, maybe they'll check in every once in a while. Yeah. Right? Like, whatever. Maybe maybe no one changed intent. But at least they, they understand that there's something that is an irritant happening. Mm-hmm. And they understand some root causes. Like, there's just more knowledge and, and sort of openness and closeness among your friends. Yeah. And it's often useful to learn another dialect. Learn yeah. to talk the way that your friends do. And maybe maybe you don't want to. Like, it's fine to say, I don't want to communicate that way. Right. But if you try it out and find that, oh, no, this is genuinely okay, awesome. Yeah. That lets you communicate in their mode while you're with them. Right. Um, and, I mean, this is a thing that... I think especially marginalized folks learn to do. Right. Like, you, if if you're from a group which talks in a different way than what society considers standard, mm-hmm. like if you don't talk like someone from Ohio, <laughs> you're gonna learn to. Otherwise, you're held back. Right. Otherwise, you're shut off from mm-hmm. those experiences. Like... When you interview, you have to talk in a certain way. Right. If you want to get a job. Right. 
And that's something that you need to learn more depending on who you are. Yep. Which is awful. But. Yeah. That's a whole nother. Yeah. That's a whole nother thing. Yeah. Um, Except not a whole nother thing. Right. It's all, it's all interconnected. (laughs) Yes. But your friends, if they are your friends, will be understanding of this. I think so. And you hopefully can find a way to, like... Have some mutually beneficial strategies in place, right? Yeah. It's nothing too wrong with asking if they are interested in adapting strategies as well as you changing how you behave. And even if it feels silly, if it works, it works. Right. So feel free to, I don't know, have a talking stick that only you get to hold up. (laughs) You just shake it when you're ready to talk. So thank you for talking to me today. And thank you for talking to me. And thank you all for listening. This has been Audacious Compassion. If you have a question or a prompt for discussion, please submit it to us at averyweir.net. That's A-V-E-R-Y-W-E-I-R.net. You can find the show on Twitter at AudaciousCast. And please take a moment to rate us on iTunes or wherever you find podcasts. I'm Gregory Avery Weir and can be found on Twitter at Gregory Weir. I'm Melissa Avery Weir and can be found on Twitter at AveryMD. And together we run a video game studio called Future Proof Games, which you can visit at futureproofgames.com. Our theme music is Invisible Light by Josh Woodward, available under a Creative Commons Attribution 4.0 license. Talk to you later. I'm Gregory Avery here. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <sighs> I'm Gregory Avery Weir.